Tonight on Belter Radio, the galaxy's fastest darling goes missing. Then, a terror attack rocks an ice hauler. We bring you the details after this. All right, welcome to Belter Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Josh. With me is Alex. And hey. this is go- And this is going to be a podcast about sci-fi's The Expanse, um, which is based on a series of novels uh, under the same title. Fantastic books, fantastic show, um, and we hope you'll come along for the ride with us. Yeah, this is a, a one of the... A really, really good show. I um, The books had been on my recommended reading list for a long time, and I just had not read them. Uh, and then I saw the show, and then I I really liked the show. So, Yeah, and I've been uh, reading the books um, since the first one came out, um, you know, five, six years ago, whatever. Um, and they hooked me right from the start. I've read them all at least once. I'm going to be working through them again. Uh, but they're great. Um, they have a great epic feel to them, um, very much like Battlestar Galactica in, in terms of scale and tone. Um, but there's a lot of detective noir stuff in there too. Great characters, uh, strongly uh, strongly made characters. They have great interactions with each other. Yeah. So uh, in the for this first episode, we're going to kind of give you an introduction to the galaxy, and we're also going to talk about season uh, one, episode one, Dulcinea. Um, and then uh, we also have a question for you. We are going to cover the show, um, but we might in we might release an episode down the line uh, that covers some of the book stuff that relates to the season. And if that's something that you're interested in, please uh, let us know. Um, yeah, we're going to try to keep the, the show pretty spoiler-free in terms of the books in case you're inspired to read them. Um, we may pull small threads um, that help develop a character's background or why a character may act the way they're acting, but nothing major, nothing that will steal the show, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, okay, so do we want to get into the uh, the state of the galaxy? Let's, let's get introduced to the solar system. Do you want to kick us off, Josh? Sure, absolutely. So there's, there's three main areas in, in the galaxy. So... Earth is completely run by the UN. Uh, they've kind of taken over all of Earth. Um, Earth is kind of has its own different thing going on, but they're the main you know, hub for our galaxy. Um, all life comes from Earth. Um, at some point in the history, Mars um, was colonized, and uh, they are now an independent military power. So they are, if you think of like the U.S. Navy left, um, with all the ships, air, you know, airplanes and otherwise, and form their own nation. That's basically Mars. They have all the cool tech, all the cool weapons. Um, people assume that they have the best toys, so to speak. Um, the inner planets need resources. Um, things like, well, on Mars, they need air and water, um, minerals, things for propulsion and, and things like that. Um, and so they need people to gather those from asteroid belts, primarily. Um, so people 
actually kind of live and die in these asteroid belts, and they're kind of referred to as belters. Um, and because they are born in space, um, they're different people, right? So uh, the show does a, a pretty good job of showing this sometimes, but obviously it's not feasible all the time. But um, their bone density is different because they've never experienced gravity. Um, their fingers are longer. Their limbs are longer. Their heads are enlarged. Um, they're taller. Um, but in terms of rights, though, like they're not their own sovereign group. Um, they're kind of off on their own, and you know they feel very much like indentured servants to the inner planets. Um, and this is where we kind of slide in the third faction, uh, which is the OPA, and they're the Outer Planets Alliance. It's kind of regarded by the inner planets as like a terrorist or resistance group, um, but what they really want is kind of rights and freedoms for belters. Yeah, uh, so we're dropped into the story kind of dealing with all of these tensions and all of these um, uh, into this political climate. Uh, so in the first episode, uh, we've got two main stories that we're going to cover. Um, and the first one I want to talk about is Detective Miller uh, aboard Ceres Station. Uh, and that is taking place in uh, the, on the asteroid belt. Um, and... Uh, detective Miller works for Helix Security, so he's a detective on the station, and uh, we kind of join him as he's uh, meeting his new partner, or maybe not new, but he's meeting his partner who is new-ish to the station. Yeah, his partner's name is uh, is Havelock. Um, he is definitely from Earth. Um, they comment on it in the in the show that like you're never going to fit in here. Um, he is played by Thomas Jane, uh, Detective Miller. Um, he was he's been in several, um, you know, different things. Uh, Punisher, you know, a couple different movies he's been in. He's a fantastic actor. Um, what's interesting about him was he was originally slated to play Rick in The Walking Dead. Oh, really? I actually did not yeah, know most, that. Most people don't know that, but uh, yeah. So if for some reason he didn't, we got Andrew Lincoln, which is great. Um, fantastic actor. But you set the scene with um, Miller, who basically gets assigned a case that's kind of going to be off the book, so to speak. And he needs to recover uh, the daughter of this rich kind of shipping magnate um, named Julie Mao. And she's the one from the opening scene where she's stuck in this little cubby, kicks her way out. There's you know, dead bodies and blood smeared, and there's this weird glowing thing in the engine room. So his whole storyline in this first episode is about setting the stage for the tension on this station. Uh, it's, it's, you get the opening scene where they're talking about how the, the belters feel like they're trapped. And whenever they start to complain, they get water and air rations and that they're poor. And it's very much like the poor sections on Mars in... Um, Total Recall? Total Recall, yeah. So it's very much like that where, like, you know, air is held back and water is held back. And, uh, you know, the people – Miller is a belter. He was born a belter. Yeah. Um, but they don't treat him like one. They call him a traitor to his people. And that's because he tried to get, like uh, – he was given growth hormones and they didn't really take the right way. And that's supposed to help strengthen your bones because if you're on a, you know, something with simulated gravity – 
um, and this is this is a factoid I'll bring in from the book. People from the belt, they are in pain when they're inside of a gravity well. Um, yeah. they, they refer to Earth and Mars as like gravity wells. So like they're in constant. See that when yeah, uh, like in, later in the later scene, um, the the torture scene later on, we kind of see that they're using the gravity to, to as punish. a weapon. Yeah, so it, it's tough, and and you start to see kind of the conditions that these people are living in, and you kind of feel for them, right? It feels kind of like what happened to like Irish and Chinese workers um, in the early days of the U.S. and you know African Americans. They were forced into bad conditions so that other people could benefit. Um, but we start laying this story basically where, you know, there's a murder on the station and um, you kind of get the sense from that scene that, you know, Miller doesn't really care and he's taking bribes from other people. Um, but later on, you know, they show these scenes where he's a character that ultimately does want to do what's right. Um, yeah. The guy that was supposed to be providing fresh air scrubber filters for like kids in, in you know, communities, he just buys him off. He's paid. He's a dirty cop at that point. But then he goes back and forces the guy into an airlock and makes him clean the scrubbers. Yeah. So they're, they're setting the stage for him being a conflicted character. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll kind of see that, that play out too as, as the episode and everything kind of goes on. Um, we also kind of get a sense of him as a character, you know, he is conflicted, but he's also, uh, he's, I, I got a sense of his and Havelock's relationship as being the kind of stereotypical, like good cop, bad cop. Well, good cop, bad cop, but new cop, old cop. Like I got a very training day feel out of their entire story. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good like, way to put it. Like, so I, I think I think we're gonna he, like we'll get to kind of see this story flesh out and see what Miller is really in this for. And he did get side contracted to kind of find Julie Mao. Um, so he's his orders are to find her, arrest her, and ship her home. Yeah. Uh, and and some important things I think are worth mentioning about Julie. So she is, you know, the daughter of um, Jules Pierre uh, Mao. And he's kind of a Luna, which is the moon, the Earth's moon. Um, he runs a shipping hub off of there. So they've got a ton of money. Yeah. Um, if she's uh, the interesting thing that's going to be you know, for people that are new to the show. Um, is going to be understanding, you know, why she was in uh, like a work ship if she comes from money. And so okay. she's a really interesting character to kind of peel back the layers on. And we're not going to ruin that all at once, but um, there is a very core part of this season that centers around her and her character and, um, and, and Miller's search for her. Yeah, she's a very important character, and, and a lot of that will get fleshed out over the season. So we should also probably mention that uh, at the time that we're recording this, um, it's in the run-up to season two. So season two is going to be coming out um, in, a, in a couple of months, and we're re-watching season one for the second time uh, doing these recaps. Yeah, yeah. Just to kind of get the, get the ball rolling and 
you know, make sure that there's there's good coverage in case, you know, somebody felt like they missed something leading up the season two. Right. Um, other than that, there's not a whole lot going on with Miller's story this episode. The, the prime thing that they were trying to show here is the conditions on the, the space station, how he is regarded by other belters, and the fact that ultimately he's a person who will do the right thing, which is kind of a theme in, in the show and in the books, uh, are people that will ultimately do you know, the right thing. Yeah. And kind of show the differences between them. Um, one of the other interesting things that you'll see from Miller's section here is belters kind of have their own unique language. It's sort of like in Firefly where things are a mix of like Chinese and, and English. Um, this is like a mix of, you know, a couple like Spanish, Portuguese, English. Um, they've got their own unique language. They are their own unique, um, you know, territory and people. Um, and yeah. it's they the the writers did a great job of making sure that made it to the screen. Yeah, and it does it does put you in the middle of of this world, and you know this show is is interesting in that it's they have to build out this whole world, and you know we kind of covered it um, in the first few minutes of the podcast, but it's really like this expansive uh, area where they've got a bunch of different factions and a bunch of different locations and a bunch of different like like interests that they all have to have to cover. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, before we transition to talking about um, the other main storyline, you did mention um, that a belter who is a part of the OPA was being tortured. Right. Yeah. Um, that is um, the, the woman that goes to meet him. She's uh, Christian Avasarala. She's the UN assistant undersecretary of the executive administration. She is a fantastic character in both the show and the books. Um, she's strong, smart, and one of those characters that's willing to do bad to get the the you know the ends of justify the mean the means justify the ends kind of character. But she's incredibly smart, and she wants to do the right thing. Um, she, for anybody that plays Destiny, she plays uh, the leader of Future War Cult, uh, Lakshmi. Oh wow! I didn't tower. know. That. Yeah. Yeah, there's a that. yeah, there's a lot of really good. Yeah. Um, Lenny James, who's in The Walking Dead, also has a voice in uh, Destiny. Oh, there's, nice. there's a bunch of characters they, they that do, do actually. A, so yeah, they did do a pretty good job with <laughs> Destiny. Um, yeah, but one, she she does voice acting in that in that game, which is yeah. pretty cool. One thing that I did want to mention that kind of I think highlights again the the diversity between the Belters and the inner planets um, is you know Miller has a line pretty much it's kind of in the beginning of the of the episode it's like there are no there's no laws on series just cops um and yeah. that's kind of that's kind of a signal of what you're looking at you know it's it's a lot of kind of backdoor deals it's a lot of you know uh you know there's organized crime like there's a lot back, of stuff that's back like alley back alley crime and like like there that's the kind of area that you can see in the belt, um, which sort of juxtaposes yeah. uh, the inner planets. It's fantastic. It's it's a great uh, part of the story, especially as we get further into it to see how it evolves with the story. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think we can jump over to the Canterbury and yeah. uh, the crew over in the Canterbury. 
Yeah, so the uh, so we're introduced to the Canterbury. Um, we're introduced to Jim Holden, uh, who is a second officer on the Canterbury. Uh, the Canterbury is an ice hauler. Um, so they're on their way to Ceres. Uh, they're with with a big load of ice. With a huge load of ice. And what's interesting about that is is we're talking about you know the that Ceres the people that are the Belters feel like they are. Um, a subjugated class, we see firsthand, you know, that the work they're doing is very dangerous. You know, one, one guy loses his arm to a chunk of ice. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's very dangerous work and they are kind of out on their own. So they, the Canterbury is one of these ice haulers that's providing resources. Um, and so Holden gets a call. Uh, he's, you know, he's basically asked to go and try and find the XO. Um, and then he goes and kind of searches all over the ship, uh, ends up taking a crowbar and um, uh, going to the XO's quarters and prying it open. And we see that the XO has gone kind of mad. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's missing Earth, you can tell, because he's got plants everywhere, sketches of trees um you know dirt spread on the floor yeah fantastic acting um he was in breaking bad i'm forgetting yeah, the actor's he name was, he was in breaking bad yeah fantastic actor i mean obviously don't really yeah, see much more of him past this point but they kind of declare him insane right yeah he's got a good line too he's like we go so we went so far out into the darkness why didn't we bring more light which i thought you know we're we're not gonna get into a lot of the stuff but i thought was an excellent line that both sets the tone and sets like it's a little bit of foreshadowing but kind of sets the tone for the show right because it's like this conspiracy yeah. theory mixed with like political intrigue and kind of you know detective noir storytelling and terrorism um, and things and like that terrorism. Yeah. yeah so like i really that line to me i didn't really notice it the first time i watched the show the episode but when i watched it the second time through i was like oh man that that line is really relevant yeah um and so for people that don't know the xo is basically the executive officer he's the second in charge on the ship um so after this the captain basically asks jim to be his xo jim fervently says no yeah on um, multiple occasions <laughs> multiple occasions and he gets tossed the badge anyway. Like, see how it feels after a couple of days kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and while they're, you know, they're trying to get to series within a certain amount of time because if they do, they'll get a bonus. Um, and that's what they're there for. They're there for money. And this this part has a, a lot of the feel like the very beginning of Alien um, where they're on the ship and, you know, uh, they're, they're traveling together. But they get this distress call. Um and they make the captain makes the call to not respond to it. Um, pretend we didn't hear it. Wipe it from the logs, so we can go get our bonus. Basically, right. Um, and, and here's your here's your other thing about Jim Holden. This is a very deep part of his character. Is that when it comes down to it, he will always do whatever he needs to do to have a clear conscience. And so he relogs the call and calls it in. And they have to go back after it. 
Yeah, well, he cleans it up too. So they get the they get the distress call, and they just they know it's a beacon, but they don't actually hear the message. It's not until he goes back and like cleans up the call, and then he, hears, he hears somebody asking Julie for help. Asking yeah. For help. yeah. Yeah, and so uh, the ship is the Scopuli. That was uh, Julie's ship, um, you know, with the. Um, and at that point, they have to go find it. And kind of all the stuff that's happening on the Canterbury uh, before that is just slight setup. The whole thing with you know Holden sleeping with the navigation officer and yeah. the fact that he really loves coffee and he's you know putting matches in his coffee to kind of get that coffee flavoring going and, and things like that. Yeah, it's just set up to set up to show that he is comfortable there. He sees the Canterbury as home, and his life is on that ship. He doesn't want to go back to Earth, right? Because um, he's from Earth. But at that point, um, you know, he is tasked with setting up a, a team to go over to the Scopuli to see if it's they need help or if it's just salvage and maybe they can make some money off the salvage. Um, and so the rest of the team, I think it's important to call out who they are because, you know, they're going to be in it for the long haul, right? So you've got uh, Naomi. She is uh, Naomi Nagata. She's the chief engineer on the Canterbury. She's incredibly intelligent. She has multiple degrees. Um, she's trained as a pilot, you know, so far, not like, like a pro level, but she's capable. She's kind of like MacGyver. She can just fix stuff. She's super smart, um, and she's kind of got – and everybody on the, the Canterbury has a past that they're running from. And so, you know, she falls under that. And every, um, you've got Alex Kamal. He's the, the pilot of the little shuttle ship that they take over there. He is ex-Martian. Um, some of the things that they're throwing down for him is that he used to have a family or does have a family, pictures of, um, you know, loved ones when he's flying. He's an extremely talented pilot. You've got Shed, who is the, the um, he's like the medical officer. He's, you know, he's the one that's patching up the guy that lost his arm in the beginning of the show. He's part of the, uh, you know, search party in case anybody needs medical attention. And then you've got my favorite character of the books and the show, Amos uh, Burton. He was in uh, Hunger Games. Um, he was one of like the film crew in Hunger Games. Uh, he's a mechanic, just a, like a normal mechanic. He's from Earth, from the city that I was born in, uh, Baltimore. Um, and he's like the tough guy for the, for the crew. Um, you get this feel that, you know, he's tough for a small guy, right? Yeah. Um, and then James Holden uh, is played by uh, Stephen Strait, who I think his biggest movie of, of note before was probably um, The Covenant, which is like the dude version of The Craft. Oh, yeah. He was the main yeah. character in that book or that movie. Um, I, I haven't seen Alex, the Cass Anvar, the guy that plays Alex or, uh, Dominic Tipper who Dominique Tipper who plays Na Naomi in anything before. Um, but I have seen Wes, uh, Chatham, the guy that plays Amos in a, in a couple of movies and then the guy that plays Jim Holden as well. So yeah, I think figured we'd call those out, you know? Yeah. The, the team is, is kind of, you know, they're sort of thrust together, um, and al almost as if by fate based on, you know, what's going to happen later in the yeah, episode. Yeah, and, and, and you get the feel also that there's not a, like, Amos does not like Jim Holden initially. No, and you can kind of get all. the feel for that, right? You get the feel for that. Um, Naomi is not 
thrilled with him either because he comes clean to her about logging the distress call. Everyone gets along with Alex because he's just a likable guy. Um, I, I really Shet. am. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Shed, the medic, is a uh, well. He's Shed. <laughs> um. <laughs> he's um. He's from. Uh, he also was in Royal Pains, I think, on uh, USA. Oh, fantastic! So, okay, this is like a completely different role from anything yeah. that he's done in the past. I think. Yeah. So uh, that's the crew. Um, that's kind of their backgrounds. As much as I'm comfortable with sharing right now. Um. Yeah. And, and they have to go over to the scopuli. Yeah, and so when they get there, they kind of go in. It the the reactor is off, but it wasn't like there's no radiation leakage. So they go on and try and like figure out what's going on there, and it, it was powered down, but there's nobody on the ship. So somebody turned it off. Right. But and then the other interesting thing is that the hole in the hull was blown in, right? Right. Yeah. And so this is where you start to get little pieces of Amos's character, he's like, oh, these were blasting charges. Like, is this common things for mechanic to know that these are like tactical, you know, entry charges? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, and the other weird thing is where are all the bodies? Right. And, right. Because so, once, so- once vacuum stabilizes in there, they're not necessarily just going to like suck out, you know, blow into space. Right. So, so yeah, so we, this, the ship is kind of a, a mystery, right? Like we don't know exactly what's going on. And, and so they get the rest of the team out there. Um, Cause Holden and Amos were the two that went in. They were kind of like the advanced party. Uh, they find the distress beacon. And then all of a sudden the ship just comes out of nowhere. Stealth ship. Yeah. yeah stealth ship comes out of nowhere. Uh, they think it's chasing, you know, them. The night. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the night is the shuttle that they used, uh, to go and check out the, the, scopuli. the scopuli. Yeah. Um, and we get, th- this is probably our first real action packed sequence uh, in terms of just like raw action. Cause they're running away from these torpedoes. They fire the torpedoes. Holden basically, uh, the, the torpedoes missed the night, the shuttle. And uh, Holden says, you guys just gotta like drop the ice turn even if they hit you all they want is the cargo like you'll be fine right they think they're space pirates at this point yeah they think they're pirates they think they just want the cargo and that is completely not what they are uh they like nuke they nuke tactical nukes yeah Yeah. completely Um, destroy the canterbury yeah so uh we at this point we don't know why the Canterbury was blown up. We don't know what's happened on the Scopuli. All we know is that now all that's left of the Canterbury is these five people um, who just watched somebody nuke their, their ship. Um, right. And so that's, that's kind of where we're, where we're left. Uh, this is I will be say that if you're going to watch episode one, just sit down and watch episode two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen uh, the season yet and you've, you've just started watching episode one, um, I would say sit down and just watch episode two. Because we it cliffhangers be, pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, it cliffhangers really, really hard. Um, now, I, we'll, do wanna, I also want to call out when the Expanse first dropped, 
um, they released the first three episodes on Sci-Fi's website. Yeah, that's actually how I... So you could watch the first three episodes all in one go the first night in like around two hours. Yeah, that's actually how I watched it. I I watched it on Sci-Fi and then I bought it on Amazon. Um, And and, uh, yeah. Yeah, so the first episode was really to kind of get you introduced to the characters. They haven't done much with the conspiracy other than you know that at the beginning of the show, something was weird and glowing in the engine bay and the scopuli and it was like absorbing part of the crew right yeah um and you know you get that ah, screaming in space shot right yeah. um and by the time that holden's crew shows up on it that thing is no longer glowing yeah it's it's dead like, it's dead so like clearly um that's interesting right so um a lot of theories that came out about that whenever it was. And then obviously people who had read the books kind of just knew yeah, um, yeah. kind of what's going on, but it, it so, was a good first intro to the characters. And I think that's all it was supposed to do. And it was just supposed to give you enough to keep you interested. Yeah. So uh, next week we'll be back with the second episode. Um, you know, we are going to be trying, we're going to do each episode of this season and lead up to season two. Uh, and then we're going to go through season two. Um, if you like the show, uh, go ahead and share with your friends. Um, if you like this show uh, and you are also a fan of Mr. Robot, you can watch our, or you can listen, sorry, to our other podcast, Bonsoir Elliot, uh, which is a recap show for Mr. Robot. Yep. That show is great. Yeah, it's really good. I actually uh, just got a compliment about the last episode. Uh, not to, not to brag too much, but uh so yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> not to brag too much, but I'm fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I am. So there's that. Uh, Everybody but, likes Alex. Yeah, they do. Um, but if you like the show, share it. We uh, we don't have a Twitter account set up yet, uh, but we will be getting stuff set up when this episode drops. It'll be available on iTunes and Stitcher, um, and then we'll also make a few episodes available on. SoundCloud, like we do for Bonsoir Elliot. Um, yep. un- until next time, uh, you know, watch the next episode, and uh, we will see you next week. See you next week.